Hey there, it's Hedvig from Abundate. Do you ever feel like you're constantly battling against your multilingual brain at work? Maybe you struggle to find the right words in English, worry about your accent or your grammar, or you find yourself constantly overthinking your language use to avoid making a mistake. You're not alone. Did you know that this lack of confidence in your language skills can actually lower your working memory capacity? That means you might not be performing at your best if you're distracted by any language worries or uncertainty. But here's the thing, it's not your fault. We have been taught to approach language learning in a way that goes against the natural functioning of our multilingual brains. The good news is that there's a way to actually work with your brain instead of against it a way to develop effective communication strategies that go beyond just grammar and vocabulary, a way to gradually build your confidence and skills without dedicating hours every day, and most importantly, a way to bring your unique voice and personality to the conversation instead of kind of sounding like somebody else. Introducing the School of Certainty. Abundate's group coaching program designed specifically for professionals like you who use English as a foreign language at work. I understand your frustration because I've been there myself. And now I help professionals like you to confidently build and nurture relationships in English, bring out the best and most competent version of yourself and excel in your career. Don't let your language worries hold you back any longer. Join the School of Certainty and start your journey towards confident and effective communication. Visit abundate.org soc to get started. That's a-b-u-n-d-a-t-e dot o-r-g slash s-o-c. Learning a language is not what you think, but so much more. This is the Abundate Podcast, and I'm your host, language and learning coach, Hedvig Sandvu. Today, I'm bringing you another solo episode, and I've kind of been putting it off because <laughs> it's quite strange speaking to myself in a vacuum, and I want to challenge myself, and today I'm also going to challenge you, so I hope we can dive into this together, maybe step a little bit out of our comfort zones. And what I'd like to talk about today is using what you know to learn what you don't know. And before we get into what this means and how you can apply that to your own learning and your own language learning, I'd like to spend just a few minutes talking about, well, why this is important. And to do that, let me just start by saying one or two things about babies. When it comes to language learning, I really think babies are getting too much credit. We have this idea that babies are the best language learners and children are okay. And then once you reach adulthood, um, it's just too late. And I hear this all the time, like things like, um, I'm too old to learn a language. I missed my chance. I should have learned this in school when I had the opportunity and uh, when my mind was able to pick up this new skill. All right, so yes, 
there has been a lot of research into how babies learn their first languages, uh, sorry, their first language or languages. And there seems to be this upper age limit where it becomes increasingly difficult to sound exactly like a quote-unquote native speaker of a language. But as far as the actual learning process goes, adult language learning isn't so much, it's not actually worse than children's language learning, it's just different. And though there are a few habits that we could probably stand to steal from babies, like getting plenty of sleep, which really helps with learning. And uh, for language learning especially, also spending a lot of time listening. Babies, you know, you may think they just sit around doing nothing, but they're watching you. (laughs) So, my dear listener, you're not a baby anymore, and I'm going to make the assumption that you're probably even an adult. And one of the key differences between adult learning and children's learning is that adults have a lot more pre-existing knowledge. And this could be considered both a blessing and a curse. A curse in the sense that we're not just blank slates that will absorb any new information without a filter. Our brains tend to be a bit more picky about what kinds of new neural pathways we're going to create. And that is also a blessing because it means we can and should use this pre-existing knowledge to our advantage. All of these old experiences and beliefs and mindsets are things that we should acknowledge and really proactively engage with so that when we're learning something new, and we want to create new memories and build new skills, and we want to make those memories and skills stick. That's what we have to do. We have to use what we know to learn what we don't know. In other words, we take any new information and we see how that fits in with our existing mental maps. And speaking of mental maps, here's something else that we have that babies don't. We have existing language skills and knowledge of how the world works. We know how to use our vocal cords and manipulate the shape of our tongue and our lips to produce lots of different kinds of sounds. And in the English language alone, there are 40 something distinct sounds depending on your accent. And that's even just with 26 letters in the English alphabet, right? So Another example of language skills that we already have are the more subtle kind of interpersonal dynamics. So I bet you, and you can try this if you want and let me know how it goes. Um, If you listen to a podcast interview, find any kind of interview, you can find a, a video or something as well, but just listen to it. Don't, don't, don't watch the people. Um, just find any interview in any language that you don't speak and just just listen to it for a few minutes and probably after just even just a few seconds maybe it'll take a couple more minutes if it's um, uh, you know it might be a bit more challenging but I bet you you will be able to tell who's the interviewer and who's being interviewed and you may not be able to explain how you know this 
But there are all of these other little cues that we've already learned how to discern, like these kind of interpersonal um, linguistic cues. So we have these pre-existing mental and linguistic maps in our heads already. And what I'd like to encourage just for, just for a moment, just right now, is to practice a moment of gratitude and, and I think even awe, really, for all of these amazing skills that you already have. And now we've, we've taken that moment and let's take that gratitude and bring it with us into building on these skills and going into a real example of how you might use what you know to learn what you don't know. Before this next part, I'd like to just prepare you, especially if you have a little bit of this foreign language anxiety, which Frida Sell spoke about in episode five last week, that if you have a little bit of that foreign language anxiety, I'm just going to warn you, there are going to be a few foreign languages in this next bit of the episode and I hope that I'm pacing it in a way that makes it not too scary maybe just a little bit scary and I would really love to hear what you think and whether you find this helpful Um, it's a bit experimental for me as well so I'd really love to hear what you think and this is different from how I work with clients one-on-one because when I work with a one-on-one client it is highly personalized and it's made really relevant to the language that they're learning and to the language or languages that they already know. And because I don't know what language you're learning or what language or languages that you are interested in, um, I don't want you to feel any sort of pressure to specifically learn um, any of the phrases that we'll go through. I just want you to be thinking about more about the, the method Um, that's sort of being deployed here and how you might take some of that into your language learning practice yourself. We're going to be doing this exercise where we build on the English language, which is the language you'll have in common. And we're going to take the English language as a starting point. And then we'll look at a few different examples from different languages and see how to build on what we know about the English language to better understand how this other language works. I'm going to share kind of a grammar-based example. Um, Don't be too afraid of the G word if it's not your favorite topic, because we're not going to go deep into any sort of complicated linguistic terminology. We'll keep it super simple, go through it step by step, and by the end, just let me know if you're still with me. Uh, if you're curious, you can also access a written uh, resource to follow along um, on the episode web page. But this is completely optional and we should be able to pace it so that you can just listen um, and see what's going on. So, okay, we're ready to start. I am going to pretend that this is a game and I'm going to make our first language level one. And we're just going to look at grammar from a kind of a word order perspective. The easiest language, at least in my repertoire of languages, is Norwegian. Norwegian's my first language and English and Norwegian are really close relatives in the family tree of languages. So you'll be able to see that there are quite a few similarities. And 
Here is our sample sentence in English. I love coffee. Obviously, I'm drawing on personal experience. Um, and the sample sentence in Norwegian. Jeg elsker kaffe. Jeg elsker kaffe. Jeg, the first word, means I. Elsker means love. Kaffe means coffee. So, do you see how the word order is the same? It says I, then it says love, and then it says coffee. So, they're the same. And you can think about it, okay, so this is actually quite relatable then. So, what else is the same? Kaffe sounds pretty similar to coffee, doesn't it? The word jeg as well sounds uh, not too different from the English I. And then of course we have the word elsker, love, which they don't uh, sound that similar, do they? So if you struggle to remember that word, there are always other ways of making that also relate back to pre-existing information, pre-existing memories or knowledge that you have. Okay, how do you feel about that after level one? Easy? Difficult? Are you with me? I'd love to hear how you're getting on. Now, let's go to level two. So in French, j'aime le café. Now, a few things happen, right? So we have je, we have m, we have le, and we have café. Okay, so je means I again. So we started off on the right, uh, in the right place. And then we have m, which means like or love. And then we have le. What happened there? We have this extra word and... If we kind of, if we look it up in a dictionary, we'll see that it, it sort of means the, like it sort of translates to the word the in English. But it essentially makes it sound as though we're saying, I like the coffee. So it's a little bit odd, but we can see Okay, here's how it works in English. In English, we say, I love coffee. In French, we say, I love the coffee. J'aime le café. So making that comparison, you get a really clear kind of rule book for how, how it's similar, but also crucially how it's different. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you have to go into this level of a really granular detail for every new thing that you learn but it can be really worthwhile doing this for challenging pieces of information or where you feel stuck and that's the crucial difference between again between children and adults is that we adults we tend to need a little bit more clarity and a little bit more um, we tend to be a bit more judgmental, really, <laughs> of new information, a little bit more skeptical. And that's why sometimes it does help to get that little bit of a breakdown and see this is how my existing 
mental map for languages looks. And here is how it compares to this other mental map, this other linguistic map. Okay, are you still with me and ready for level three? Okay, we're doing four levels and that's partly because those are the languages I know and uh, partly because I hope, uh, I think it shows kind of a bit of a breadth of different types of languages and how they can compare to English. So my next example is going to be from Spanish. Me encanta el café. Me encanta el café. So this is a little bit different again, right? So um, me encanta el café. Four words, same as in French, I guess. Um, but what's happening here is there's this there's this other thing that's going on. So, and this is where it gets difficult to translate. So some some things are easier to translate because you have an equivalent. Like when we talked about French, we we could really clearly see that that okay, there's this the the coffee. We could understand, okay, so when uh, in French we kind of say, I love the coffee, what we mean is, I love coffee. However, in Spanish, we have this, me encanta. Me encanta means something like, it pleases me, or it pleases me incredibly, or something like that. So, me pleases the coffee, or the coffee pleases me, but we've switched the word order around to make the me pleases come first and the coffee to come afterwards. So, you can tell there are quite a few different things happening there in Spanish that are simply a different mental map or a different linguistic map of how to create this kind of statement about what you like and or what you love. Still with me? Are you ready for level four? And I really hope that these sort of four different languages can give you an idea of four different types of mental maps really, but most importantly, how you can use your existing mental map and your existing knowledge to apply to your language learning. Anyway, okay. Level four. Are you ready? I'm, I'm so excited. I'm ready. I'm super ready for this. Level four is Swahili. I love coffee in Swahili is Ninapenda Kahawa. Two words, Ninapenda, I love. Kahawa, coffee. Kahawa, actually, for a bit of uh, etymology, sounds a, maybe a little bit similar to coffee, and that's because it has the same root. The word coffee comes from Arabic, and I believe the Arabic word is something like, forgive my pronunciation, kahwa. And the other part of this sentence 
operates a little bit differently from the other languages that we worked on. Um, so we had, you know, something like it pleases me or me pleases, uh, you know, this kind of strange um, way of formulating things in Spanish. And with Swahili, we've actually got one word which says I love in one word. We've got this little particle called ni, the first two letters of um, ni napenda, and that signifies that it's me, that it's I I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you or her or they or um, them. I'm talking about myself. And napenda means love. So how does this the Swahili phrase for I love coffee, the Norwegian, the French and the Spanish phrases, how do they compare to your existing experience? How does it compare to your existing mental maps? And this is just one example. I kind of took the the, the grammar and the sort of the word order example. Um, you can draw on your existing experience when you're looking at pronunciation you can do it for vocabulary and as perhaps you reflect on how you can use what you know to learn what you don't know it can be language skills or learn I don't know any other skills really um I would really love to know how you get on so if you have any feedback or insights or experiences or if this was really challenging for you and you had a lot of kind of foreign language anxiety I would love to hear how it was for you you can email me on podcast at abundate.org so have a lovely week that's it everyone I hope that this episode gave you motivation inspiration and energy to take with you into your language learning practice to learn more about Abundate and the services that I offer, visit abundate.org slash podcast. That's A-B-U-N-D-A-T-E dot O-R-G slash podcast. The background music you're hearing is called Blanks by Poddington Bear and podcast graphics were designed by Sengflow Designs. Everything else was done by me, Hedvig Sandvu. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Hey, before you go, here's a quick reminder for you who uses English as a foreign language at work. Go check out the School of Certainty, specifically designed for the international professional to help build brain-friendly communication skills. So you can stop overthinking, did I say that right? What's the right word here? Should I put an S on the end there? Visit abundate.org soc for more information.